Well, good morning once again. Say good morning once again. Can't go to sleep when I get up to preach now. Come on. Do a little better than that, right? I tell you, if you see me wiping my nose and stuff like that, it's, it's pollen. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I'm more worried about the pollen than I am anything else. So, but, uh, but anyway, I thought about that a minute ago. I grabbed a Kleenex and I started, and I'm like, oh, goodness, they're probably thinking I'm sick. But sick of the pollen, yeah, that's what I'm sick of. But it's just getting started, that's right. Well, I tell you, you know, I, I've enjoyed worship this morning. It's been a little different, hasn't it? Uh, just a few things that we've done a little differently, and, and that's okay. I, I think those are good, but I always enjoy the music. I enjoy uh, the prayer time that we had, the, the special music from Vicki, the intercessory prayer, the, the whole thing. I just enjoy that. To me, it just it pulls me together. It gets me ready for worship, and it gets me ready to preach the Word of God. And, and I'm just grateful to be able to be in a position right now to be able to do both of these things together and just put it all together. And, you know, collectively, I think as a church, we are, we're serving. Collectively as a church, I think we're maturing. Collectively as a church, I think we're growing. And, and collectively also as a church body, uh, we're, we're bonding together. And, and I can feel this. I can see it more and more weekly and daily as we meet together and as we talk together. But we are ready to march forward in Jesus' name. And I fully believe that, and I can see it coming. I know that that is happening, and I'm excited about it. It's, it's good to see God's people on fire for him. And, uh, and I can sense that in, in you and, uh, and want to continue for that fire to burn and burn and burn and just get brighter and brighter and brighter in Jesus' name as we march forward toward him. And we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about what we need to do to move forward and to march forward in Jesus' name and to, to put our past behind us and to put anything that binds us behind us. We've been talking about that and how we move forward in Jesus' name. So we're pressing on towards him. We're, we're moving forward uh, knowing who the person of Jesus Christ is, who he is, uh, what he's all about, and, and following him as intensely as we can until finally we see him face to face. That's the goal. That's the marching orders that we have, is to follow him as closely as we can and, and learn more and more about him daily until finally we see him face to face. So this morning we're actually going to continue to see uh, the same passage of scripture that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. You can turn over there if you're ready. It's uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 to 21. And uh, we're going to read this passage again together. And, uh, and I like repetition. That's why sometimes I get you to say phrases behind me. But the more often you hear things, the more often you say things, the easier it sticks. So I'll read this passage. This will be the third time that I've read this passage this month. So hang with me. Uh, so let's, let's read this together. All right, verse 12, it starts. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Say this with me. But I what? Press on. Let's say that again. I do what? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on, there it is, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have used, uh, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often, uh, for I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their might is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for this opportunity. Uh, as we have read this scripture even once again, we just pray that you'll bless it in a mighty way. Help us to see something again today with fresh and new eyes. Let us hear something with new and, and just clarity in our ears. And Father, we want this to be your voice speaking today. So just hide me behind the cross uh, so that I'm not seen, Father, but your glory just shines through. And Father, that they hear you, what it is that you have to say through me. So Father, we pray for that today. We uh, just pray for anointment. We pray, Father, that, uh, that you will just bless these verses. Every word that comes from my mouth, I just ask that it's inspired by you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Now, when we got started with this a couple of weeks ago, I told you that they were going to, we we're going to bring out about five things that we were talking about, and we've covered four of those, by the way, already. So what they were is, first of all, y'all forgive me if I do this, that pollen, it really wreaks havoc on me sometimes. But first of all, we determined that the scripture says that we, we must humbly acknowledge the first thing is we haven't arrived yet. Did you hear what I said? We haven't yet arrived. We have not yet obtained the goal. We haven't yet met Jesus face to face. So the goal is still out in front of us. So what we do now is how do we attain the goal? What do we do? Do we, do we just sit back and just let it happen? Or do we march forward and march toward the goal, which is Jesus Christ? Because first of all, we have not yet attained the goal. We haven't yet arrived. We don't know it all yet. There's much yet to still learn about the person of Jesus Christ and who he is and who he wants to be through us. Secondly, we must passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's point number two, if you're keeping points. We must passionately pursue a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must be in the zone, so to speak. We've got to be in the Jesus zone, learning everything we can about Jesus. We also learned that we have to have a sense of urgency about it. This is not something that we can afford to sit back on our laurels and say, oh, Lord, bless me if you can. We, we need to make sure that we are constantly looking forward, looking ahead to what it is that Jesus has for us. We must have a, a passionate pursuit, if you will. We must forget about the past. We must, as the scripture says, we must reach forward. We must strain forward towards Jesus. And by doing that, we're blocking out the past things that are keeping us and dragging us down. You remember we talked about these things. We're blocking out these past. We're blocking out even things that are happening in our present that distract us or keep us from pursuing Jesus. Thirdly, we must never ever lose the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That wonder should always stand right out front of us and, and we should see it wide-eyed. Remember, we talked about being wide-eyed, like a kid at Christmas time, opening presents. We should be wide-eyed at the cross of Jesus Christ and at the gospel of Jesus Christ, listening to it as if it's the first time we ever heard it. 
sharing it with someone as if it's the first time we've ever shared it. We should never lose that wonder of the cross. We should always stay wide-eyed, seeing the cross for the first time. We determine that we cannot allow ourselves to become stale. We can't allow ourselves to become stagnant about it. We must never lose the wonder of the gospel. Fourthly, we also discovered that we must follow cross-centered, heavenly-minded examples. There has to be someone in your life that you can lean on, someone that you can say, now, I know that that's a person of God, and I want to follow the example that they have. And maybe for, maybe for you, you're saying, that's me. I want someone to follow my example. Maybe for me, that's what it is. Maybe I want to be followed, but if I'm going to be followed, then I have to make sure I'm leading correctly. And that's following Christ-centered, heavenly-minded examples. And if we determine that if we stay focused on running toward Jesus, making sure we have the right reinforcements in our lives, then we're not going to fall prey to the ones who try to lead us astray. We talked about false teachers. We talked about all the ones that are telling us all the feel-good stuff. And there is some feel-good stuff. But again, I want you to be prosperous. I do. But prosperity should never take the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what that scripture is about. We also discovered that we've got to be faithful examples. We must avoid the patterns of these pretenders and these earthly-minded people that we're talking about. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you the fifth discovery that's in this passage. And here it is, in all of its glory. It says, we must live in the light of our true citizenship. That's point number five. We must live in the light of our true citizenship. I want to give you just a quick story here that I found in, in a, uh, a book that I was reading earlier in the week. On September 15, 1995, Canadian-born pastor Jim Bradford became an American citizen. After he'd been processed, he wrote these words. In the process of becoming an American citizen, I learned that since the, the mid-1970s, Canada has recognized the citizenship of any Canadian who has taken out citizenship in, in another country. I am technically, he says, the citizen of two countries, the United States and Canada. It's called a dual citizenship, he says. Jesus described his followers as being part of two kingdoms, of two worlds in John 17. Physically, they were part of this present world, and therefore they were under the rule of human kingdoms. Spiritually, he says, they were also part of a heavenly kingdom representing a greater allegiance. By virtue of natural birth, I am a Canadian citizen. To become a citizen of the United States, I had to choose to embrace that privilege and responsibility. He says, and because I'm not naturally an American by birth, I needed to be naturalized. And by physical birth, he says, I'm a citizen of this world, but as a boy, I met Jesus Christ I met him personally and was born again. This rebirth was the result of a choice to put my faith in Jesus and to turn my primary allegiance over him. So I, I liked his comparison. I liked exactly how he said that. He became an American citizen. He had to be naturalized. And to become a Christian, we must be what? We must be saved. We must be saved to do that. I like that illustration. It's another testament of how our citizenship is not actually here. Our citizenship is somewhere else. We have a, a final destination, as we call it as Christians. That final destination, of course, we all know it as heaven. That's the goal. That's where we want to wind up. 
Just as this Canadian pastor had to become naturalized to become an American citizen, we must be saved to become a Christian to be able to obtain this final destination, which we know it as heaven. Now, this pastor from Canada, he, he mentioned something. He said that we must make a choice to put our faith in Jesus Christ and turn our primary allegiance over to him. For now, we're walking this earth. And as we've been talking about over the past two weeks, we must be walking with Jesus in it while we're here. We must walk with him while we're here. We must be seeking him in all of his glory until we reach the destination of what is heaven. Those of us who are walking in spiritual maturity realize that this world isn't really our home. We have a greater destination. We have a citizenship somewhere else in heaven that is much much better. In fact, it's perfect. It's for us. It's made for us. God created it so that we would have a place to dwell with him after our life on this earth is gone. And we shouldn't have, or we should have certain groanings from this life because we're not from here. And Romans 8 actually puts that into perspective. Turn over there with me if you would. Uh, turn over to uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at uh, verses 18 to 27. Romans chapter 8 comes right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 8, 18 to 27. You get it? Say, I got it. Okay, 8, 18 to 27. Okay, it's on the screen for you as well. If I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope is hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew he has been predestined to, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he pre predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified... He also glorified. Now, that's a great piece of scripture, but the word groans actually caught my attention here. I wanted to dig a little deeper and find out what it was that it had to say about this. What it means in verses 19 to 22 is to sigh or groan because of our circumstances. That's what this is talking about in this particular instance. The word groan appears three times in the passage. You'll see that. Paul is trying to paint a picture here of an audience that's waiting for God's Son or the sons of God to come into their eternal, uh, eternal glory. Paul's telling us here, listen, life is hard. 
There's going to be things that you're going to have difficulty with. There's going to be many distractions. Things are going to come your way daily to try to deter you from running towards Jesus or marching towards Jesus. He's trying to, do, to keep you from doing that. He's, he's doing everything he can. He's, he's trying everything known to man, everything known to him that he can to distract you from trusting God. I think we're seeing some of that today, aren't we? So anyway, it's not always going to be easy. We're going to have things to groan on. We're going to have things to complain about. We're going to fall short sometimes. We're going to miss the mark at times. But we serve the God of grace, and through his blood, we're forgiven. And that's the peace that we live in. We must continue daily with the heavenly mindset that God has, has instilled in us through his word and through his blood as Christians. We must, we must never give up on him. Our citizenship, again, remember, it's not of this world. Our citizenship is in a greater place. We're just passing through. Paul has reminded us that our citizenship, once again, is in heaven. He was encouraging us to be spiritually minded. He was trying to make these Philippian people in the book of Philippians, he was talking to them and he was trying to make them, uh, as well as us today, realize that just as Philippi was a colony of Rome, the colony or the church is the colony of heaven. That's the point that he was trying to make. When people would visit Philippi, one of the commentators said they would say, well, this looks like a little Rome. This looks just like what Rome would look like on a smaller scale. Paul's comparing that with the Philippian people by saying that the church is a little colony of the kingdom of God. When you're in the presence of God's people of the kingdom of heaven, their values in their lives should point one way. It should point towards heaven. When you see people taking care of the poor, when you see people uh, helping uh, the vulnerable people, doing all this right and true, speaking kindly to one another, putting the needs of others ahead of themselves, we should say, hmm, this smells like heaven. This must be what heaven's like. This is, this is a, a great picture of what heaven looks like. We should be giving the world a glimpse of what's coming in the future. We should be the example. We must set the bar. We should take every opportunity to show a lost and a dying world what it means to know Jesus Christ personally. This is our responsibility. This is our end of the bargain. This is our part of the deal. This is what we're supposed to do. We're commanded to do this. Our responsibility, folks, this, here's a word for you, is evangelism. This is what we're called to do. It's imperative. And listen, it's not optional. This is not something that we get to pick and choose and say, well, yeah, I just don't want to do that today. No, we're commanded to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said these words in his book, Mere Christianity. Has anybody read this? Yeah, me too. I got enough to get this quote. This one is one of the most difficult books I've ever tried to read, and I've had it two years, and I've got about two chapters under my belt, and it's just difficult to read. Uh, but but um, anyway, here's something he said. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So did you catch that? Again, it's, it's hard to understand. Let me, let me back up and read that again. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most 
for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective at this. What he's saying, he said, living like the world is a terrible testimony. That's what he's trying to say. When you, when you claim to be a Christian and live like the world, that's a terrible testimony. We cannot have an effective testimony to others if we live like the world. We can't have an effective testimony if we ignore those who need us the most. We have become ineffective as a whole because we have ignored the opportunities that God has placed before us. That's what Lewis was saying. Christians around the world have given lost people every excuse in the book not to choose Christianity. Now, why is that? Because we live like the world. We set the wrong examples. We say we're Christians, but yet we don't live it. Some lost people look at us and don't see anything different. They don't want what we have because all they can see is what they already have. They're not seeing our walk with Christ. They're not seeing our journey with Christ. They have no idea, listen, no idea that our intention is to run toward Jesus as fast as we can so that we can get to know Him more and reach that final prize. They don't see it. As lost people view us, they view themselves living like the world, then they stay lost. Most of the time, they're not looking for our example. Our example that comes from Jesus Christ will show up to them if we're just tuned into Him. If we're tuned in and seeking Jesus, then we can't help but be that example that He intended us to be. They will see something different in us if we stay tuned in to Him. They will know that we have something that they don't have. They're going to see peace in your life. This will help you with opportunities to share Jesus with them, letting them know that there's a better way to live. They can live differently and better than what they're living now. You can explain to them that although we live in this world, we don't have to live of this world. We don't have to be a part of that garbage. And that, but the shed of blood, Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary, they can have what it is that we have. Listen, we can't be effective in our evangelism if we're not tuned in and marching forward toward Jesus. We must be ever mindful that our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. Verse 20 also tells us that we should eagerly wait for the Savior. Well, who is this Savior? We know him as Jesus Christ, don't we? That's who the Savior is. Paul makes a point to say that. He says the Savior is Jesus Christ. Now, there have been many leaders in our world through the years that have said differently. For the Philippian people, uh, Paul was letting them know here that, that Caesar was certainly not their Savior, even though he claimed to be. He may have thought that he was their Savior. He may have tried to build a kingdom that would have uh, won his people's praise, but no, he, he wasn't the Savior. And deep down, he knew he wasn't the Savior. But, but there are many other world leaders, even just in my lifetime, that have come forth and said the same thing in modern times with the same attitude of the Savior. I won't even bore you with their names. You know who I'm talking about. But there's many that have come across that have done that. But listen, the only Savior is Jesus Christ, and Paul was very quick to show how pale the comparison was here. So should we. We should be very quick to say who Jesus Christ is and how we're trying to consistently await the get to know Him. 
He told those people that, he should, that they should eagerly await the coming of the Savior and welcome his arrival eagerly. We should today eagerly await the arrival of our Savior Jesus Christ. We should live in the light of knowing that his arrival is forthcoming. Paul closes this section of this letter with verse 21 by saying that our lowly bodies may be conformed to his glorious body. You see that? In verse 21, when Paul used the term lowly bodies, he was letting us know that he was referring to our own weakness, who we are as a person, our limited earthly bodies. As Christians, we should do everything we can to take care of our bodies. We see them as the temple of the Holy Spirit, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19. But Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 15.49 these words, And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. And then he also says, or John says in 1 John 3, 2 and 3, Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now this verse, in my opinion, is, is full of hope. We should be motivated to continually march forward toward Jesus. We shall see Jesus just as he is. This is the ultimate goal. Many years ago, and most of you know this, but I had the opportunity of um, singing with a, a Southern Gospel Quartet. We sang all over the place. And um, in order to get this job, of course, I had to audition for the group. And uh, they did this um, really just one way. I, uh, you had to audition for them, for the group. And then if you got past that section, then you had to go and, and pass a section in front of a live audience. So um, you needed to see how the crowd would react to you. And uh, so... So that was cool. Uh, so what I did is I went to Fayetteville, North Carolina a couple of times and practiced with them and, and uh, made it through to the live audition. The live audition um, was held in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina at Ocean Lake Campgrounds. The audition was on an Easter Sunday morning sunrise service. And um, just a wonderful, wonderful service. It was very cold. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget the surroundings there. Uh, the estimate that day is there were about 5,000 people on the beach watching this sunrise service. And that doesn't surprise me. That's a very, that's a big deal over there where they are. So Lisa and I, we, we drove the three hours up to the beach. We met with the rest of the group for one final practice for the sunrise service the next morning. It was then that they learned, that I learned that they wanted me to sing a specific song. The name of that song was, We Shall See Jesus. Now, I was fairly familiar with the song. I'd never done it in front of anybody. I just sang it when I heard it on the radio or whatever the case was. So I was pretty familiar with it. I practiced it with them. So I was pretty fairly comfortable with it. So I was ready to go as good as I could get. But the lyrics of this song came straight from this piece of scripture. That's why I tell you that story. The chorus of that song says, we shall see Jesus just as they saw him. And what they're talking about that is they're talking about when Jesus was on the cross, he saw people, when different things like that. I'm thinking about singing this for you at Easter sunrise service. Not sure yet. I'll 
I don't want to make you that promise, but you'll hear the entire song. It's, uh, I've got it some other places, so if you wanted to hear it, you could. But we shall see Jesus just as they saw him. There is no greater promise than this, it says. Then it says, when he returns in power and glory, we shall see Jesus just as he is. You see, for the believer, this is the most encouraging news in the world right now. Right now, it's just about as bad as it's ever going to be. We're seeing so many things that are just so bad, but we should be encouraged because soon we're going to see him face to face. The Bible tells us so. Soon we're going to receive a new body. It's going to be fitted for a new heaven and a new earth. And what a promise we have in Jesus Christ, just knowing that we're going to see him face to face. We have to continue to march forward, learning all that we can for him to reach him face to face. So let me ask you this morning. First of all, have you humbly acknowledged that you haven't yet arrived? Have you humbly acknowledged that, saying, you know what, I know I don't know it all. I know there's things in my life that aren't right, but I'm trying. I know there's so much more that I need to know, so much more that I need to learn, so much more that I need to find deeply seated in my Bible. Have you acknowledged that yet? I hope that you have. Are you also passionately pursuing a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are you trying to find out what it is about Him that you don't yet know? Are you trying to find out more and more and more by staying in prayer and staying in the Word? Are you also making it a practice to to never lose the wonder of the Gospel of Jesus Christ? I hope that you're continually wide-eyed by what Jesus did for you. Every time I think about that, it just humbles me. And I've said this during communion many times, but I love how this sounds. If I had been the only person on the planet, he'd have still done it for me. We should never lose that wonder of what he did for us. Are you following cross-centered, heavenly-minded examples? Are you looking to the right people for the right examples? And then finally this morning, are you living in the light of your true citizenship? We're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven awaits us. A perfect place awaits us. My prayer for you this morning is that you're just turning off the noise. I'm praying that you're finding a way to limit the distractions. I'm praying that you have released yourself. Listen, I am so praying that you have released yourself from past prisons that some of us still live in. We're still living in things that are feeling so defeated. It makes us feel so defeated. There's no need to do that. No need to do that. We do not have to live in past prisons. We don't have to live in present prisons. We just have to march forward toward the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that that's what you're doing. I'm praying that you have have just broken these chains that hold you back from marching forward toward Jesus. I'm also praying for some of you this morning that, that may not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can't march towards something if you don't know him. We have to make sure 
that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we can focus on following him and pushing ourselves toward the goal of knowing him more personally, knowing everything that he will allow us to know before we meet him face to face. My prayer this morning is that if you have not done that, that this morning you will come and that you will make it right with him and accept him as your personal Savior and become a part of the family of God and then help us march together towards knowing him more and more and more. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, thank you again for this morning. We just pray that uh, you will just bless this invitation. We just pray, Father, that uh, we would just feel your spirit this morning, Lord, and I do pray that uh, if there's one person that doesn't know you today, that they will come and make it eternally right with you. And for all of us, Lord, we just pray that we just march forward as hard as we can towards your glory, knowing you more and more daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing a verse or two of a song, give you an opportunity to come and respond. Pray that you do this morning. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving. seat for just a second. We've got one little order of business that we need to take care of. I told you that these would be forthcoming in just little short pieces here. And uh, this morning, uh, with the death of uh, Bobby Knight, that left an opening for another uh, trustee, uh, for our trustees. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked with Keith Abrahamson and asked Keith if he would fill that spot, and he agreed. And uh, so we just need to get the pleasure of the church about that and um, just uh, do just a quick vote about that. But all in favor of having Keith fill that term, uh, just make it known by lifting your hand. Okay, thank you. And any opposed like sign? Okay, I see none. So we'll, uh, Keith Abrahamson will fill that uh, docket for uh, Bobby Knight. So that takes care of the trustees. We still have a few other little areas that we're working on, and uh, we will continue to get back to you on that. But thank you so much for being here. Use hand sanitizer. <laughs> wash your hands, for goodness sake. Like, like you never washed your hands before, right? You know. <laughs> Definitely. So, 
Thank you so much for being here. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again for this morning, and uh, we just praise your name. Just knowing that you love us and take care of us, Lord, is just good enough for me. And, Lord, I'm just so grateful to be in your house once again this morning. We just pray for our congregation as some are out today. Just pray, Father, that uh, you will help them to feel safe and just be able to do what they need to do in Jesus' name. We thank you and love you. Keep us safe. And all in your name we pray. In Jesus we pray. Amen.